The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We're going to talk about realistic and unrealistic expectations for the Wisconsin Badgers in the month of March. We're going to go over a hypothetical Aaron Rodgers contract, what that looks like. And then lastly, we'll talk about the disappointing MLB lockout. So great show today. I'm very excited for it. We've got Shakehead tomorrow. Get excited there. Uh, but before we get started, just want to let you guys know we are on social media. You probably know that already. But if you aren't following on all the channels, I would appreciate if you did. Uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And then make sure you're rating and reviewing uh, this podcast and telling your friends to subscribe. I know you're already subscribed, but make sure that you're also telling your friends to subscribe. Get a little bit more out there. Um, we'd love to have the support. We'd love to keep growing this thing, keep doing it. Um, I certainly have to do a little more on my end, but that's that's on me. So that's okay, though. Let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. So as you guys know, I am not a Badger basketball fan. Um, I don't make any bones about it. In fact, I think I've been a little more transparent about my lack of emphasis, my lack of, I don't, I don't even want to say care, but my my lack of time to watch Wisconsin. I, I think if I was doing this full time and that this was my only job per se and I was getting paid to do it, I think that I would actually watch the Badgers a lot more and I'd have takes and I still wouldn't be a fan, but I would at least watch them and we'd talk more podcast wise, but I just don't have time. I don't, and a lot of there's a lot of overlap too with them, Marquette, and the Milwaukee Bucks. It's really hard to make sure you're watching three different teams. You can balance too, like Marquette and the Heat are or Marquette and Milwaukee are playing tonight. The Bucks are playing the Heat. Marquette's playing DePaul. So like that's okay, but it, it gets difficult. So I'm not, and I'm not making it exactly an excuse, but I'm just letting you guys know. Like we used to talk about it a lot more. Actually, there are topics around Wisconsin hoops on this program in the past. I think I one time wondered if Greg Gard should be fired before they went on an epic run and won eight straight games and won the Big Ten title before Corona shut us all down. Um, so yes, I mean, there are Badger topic, Badger basketball topics on this podcast in the archives. So it, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about them today because they had such a big game against Purdue. It was very dramatic. It was an awesome basketball game. I watched it from start to finish. It was definitely appointment television for me. It helped that my wife was out of town, so I was able to sort of control the TV. Um, she's not a Badger fan at all, um, being a Marquette alum. So yeah, I was able to sit down and really watch Wisconsin and Purdue. And I've watched Wisconsin before all season, but I think you get a different approach to them as the year goes on. And I do think that Wisconsin can beat you in so many ways. Like Johnny Davis, obviously, we know how good Johnny Davis is and what a joy Johnny can be to watch, especially for the Badger fan base. He is unlike anybody I think Wisconsin has had maybe since Devin Harris. Um, I, I would put him in that sort of category because Devin was, people forget, like Devin Harris was a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Like Devin was really special at Wisconsin and that's kind of where, I, what class I would put Johnny Davis in. But Tyler Wall, who I think is in that Gosser, Showalter, Bruce Tall fame, but not as 
much of a nuisance. Tyler Wall always seems to sort of come up with a big bucket. We know Brad Davidson has his moments. Uh, Stephen Crawl, I thought, you know, he didn't hit as many shots as I think you'd like him to. But Crawl really, you know, has, I think, what it takes to be a good player in the future. I think the future is bright with him. And if we're talking bright futures, Chucky Hepburn is easily on his way of being the next sort of Badger great. I mean, that shot he hit was unbelievable. I did not expect him, A, to take it. B, the fact that they banked off two shots is absolutely incredible. It was their night. Um, Jason Benetti of ESPN, who's great at his job, he had a great call saying that the Cole Center became the glass factory, which was very accurate. Um, but I could not believe that Hepburn, A, took the shot, just given the fact that Johnny Davis has been an ice-cold player for you. And in that situation, he has you know the veins of Mr. Freeze. But the fact that also it went right off the glass for Hepburn. And Hepburn is a young star in college basketball and definitely a guy that I think next year and the year beyond I think will really be special and Wisconsin has not really had that point guard leader in a long time you know I I know a lot of people like Demetri Trice but Demetri Trice was way too much of a ball hog at certain times maybe Bronson Koenig but I, I feel like Bronson played more off ball like to me the last guy I can remember that was really good at the point guard position that kind of controlled the offense and that's what I think Hepburn can do in the future is like a Jordan Taylor um I know I'm gonna get fact checked by my Badger basketball friends but that's okay that's that's totally fine Uh, I am I am at peace with that so let's talk a little bit about realistic and unrealistic expectations for the Badgers in March obviously after this game everybody's riding high how could you not right every badger fan is you know on top of the moon and ready to sort of party and think that this is going to be a great run in the month of march and i'm not trying to pour water exactly on this rather i'm just trying to look at this from an unbiased perspective and say what are what's the ceiling what what are the the opportunities that wisconsin has available to them and then also, too, we'll do this with Marquette tomorrow after the Paul game. And if Marquette had played last night, we probably would have done both. But because Marquette didn't play, we'll do this tomorrow probably as a – or no, I'm sorry. We, I'm taping with Shannon tomorrow, so we won't do it tomorrow, but definitely on Friday. Um, so we'll talk about this on Friday with Marquette as part of the weekend preview and sort of the equal time i am like a politician like fair fair time for both teams so we'll we'll do this segment with marquette later in the later in the week but we'll do it with wisconsin right now wisconsin can be a one seed realistic it is definitely in play jeff Goodman has been fucking this chicken for the last like week now. Goodman has been all over the fact that he thinks Wisconsin should be a one seed after they beat Rutgers. Goodman banged that drum louder after they beat Purdue. I think it's realistically in play. Um, the Badgers would need to have a strong Big Ten tourney. And if you look at the Big Ten tourney right now, which we are going to talk about a little bit later, they would beat a team like Michigan or Indiana in the second round or I think the quarterfinal. Then in the semifinal, you'd probably either play Iowa or Ohio State. This all could change, by the way. Um, we, I mean, there are multiple days left in the Big Ten season. Everybody's bunched up, but just as it stands today, these would be the teams you played. 
and then they'd get either maybe Illinois or Purdue uh, to finish it off. And if you were able to beat two of those teams, those are two more tournament teams. Those are two more, I don't know if they're quad one or quad two. I don't have the net on me, but those are two more big wins for Wisconsin. And if you have that on top of all that you've done in the regular season, I think it's hard to not think Wisconsin could be a one. Even if maybe you're not as high on the Big Ten as others, I think Wisconsin would deserve that. And we've seen this in the past, that the Big Ten final has no implication on the seed. That the Big Ten, the last game of the conference tournament weekend sometimes does not impact what the bracket looks like. That's always kind of talked about where it's like, did you change the bracket based on this last game? And they're like, no, 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 we had it all set. And if Wisconsin were to get a one and a hell, if Wisconsin was able to get a two, you know, they could really have a realistic path that is Milwaukee to Chicago. I think that could be, you know, excellent for Wisconsin and maybe what drives them. It doesn't guarantee that Wisconsin is going to have the entire fan base, you know, at both stadiums, but their contingent is going to be loud. And we know that Wisconsin travels well. So even if they get to San Antonio or San Francisco, they'll still be a loud group of Badgers that are there supporting their team. Greg Gard and Johnny Davis are coach and Big Ten player of the year. Realistic, uh, especially Gard. Uh, th- this team was picked 11th. They were supposed to be a rebuilding year. They were supposed to be frustrations with Greg Gard. It was not supposed to be this kind of year for the Badgers, and they've been great, and they've won the Big Ten either outright or they've won a share of it. I mean, winning a conference outright in college basketball is really fucking hard to do, just given all the games, all the teams, everything that goes into it. Now, they're playing a surging Nebraska team who just beat Ohio State and Penn State, and all of a sudden, it came out of nowhere that Nebraska has figured this out. It's really kind of weird. Um, it's a, a team that that I, as Wisconsin, we'll talk about it in the weekend preview on Friday. I don't know if I'd want to play if I was Wisconsin, honestly. But yeah, I mean, the guard is definitely Big Ten coach of the year. There's no coach to me that has done a better job than Greg Gard. You could maybe make a case for Steve Peichel, but Rutgers, you know, kind of faded down the stretch. Had Rutgers you know, continued their success. And let's say they beat Wisconsin last week. Let's say maybe they got a win against either Michigan or Purdue. Then I would have maybe thrown Steve Peichel into that conversation. But I think it's Greg Gard and nobody else. I think he's a runaway winner. I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Gard's unanimous. As for Johnny Davis, I think Johnny Davis had the most impactful year for anyone in the Big Ten. Now, I know that there'll be people who look at Jaden Ivey and say, well, Jaden Ivey's been great and Jaden Ivey, you know, has deserves, you know, this attention and deserves a Big Ten player of the year. And sometimes we get lost in giving the award to the best NBA prospect and not necessarily the guy who had the best year in conference. I think you need to reward the guy who had the best year in the conference, and that's Johnny Davis. It's it's not even fair. And you put him and Ivy head to head. Ivy really wasn't that good in this game. He did hit the big shot at the end, but I didn't necessarily come away impressed with Jaden Ivey. I saw Chad Ford. Is it Chad Ford? Yeah, I think it was Chad Ford who was like, oh, I, you know, Wisconsin won, good win, but I came away more impressed with Jaden Ivey. I, I, I was like, what, what was I missing here? Am I, like, is my evaluation just not that good? I mean, I'm not a draft expert by any means, but I look at Jaden Ivey and I'm like, I would take Jabari Smith and Chad Holmgren 
over him. And then, yeah, you could go Jaden Ivey three or four. But I I like those guys a lot better than I do Jaden Ivey. And going back to him versus Davis, like Davis put up 37 in West Lafayette. Davis had a decent game in this one. I don't know how you don't give it to Johnny Davis. So I will file realistic for both Davis and guard winning Big Ten honors. The Badgers can get to the final four. Unrealistic. Okay. All right. I know that you guys are going to be like, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, we were waiting for we were waiting for the Marquette homer to come out. But, but hear me out. I think this comes down to the Big Ten. I don't know if the Big Ten conference is that good. I know the Big Ten is going to get a lot of teams in. But I don't feel like the Big Ten is that good of a conference. Uh, Purdue and Illinois were supposed to be the class. And I don't know if they are. Like, I think Illinois might be built the best for March. When you look at, like, Trent Frazier, who gives off, like, Kemba Walker vibes. Kofi Cockburn is an absolute monster down low. And not a lot of teams can deal with what Kofi Cockburn does down, down in the paint. Um, Cabrello is a whirling dervish, but if Cabrello is controlled, he can be really good. But I also don't know if they're well coached. Like, I don't think Brad Underwood's that great of a coach, and I also don't think he is built for March. Purdue pisses down their legs so often that it's not even funny. And Purdue, you know, has these moments where they just absolutely fall apart, right? And Wisconsin is not good at shooting the three-point shot. Like, even though they have guys that can shoot it, they are 14th in the Big Ten. They're one of the worst teams at shooting the three-point shot. If the Badgers get down early, they cannot shoot their way out of it. You know, that's one advantage that other teams might have where you're like, okay, they go down 10 in the first half. They can come back with their three-point shooting. If the Badgers go down 10 in a game, they're kind of fucked. So that to me is where it stands out. And you look at some of the other teams that are in that are like on another tier. Like I said about Ohio State, they just lost to Nebraska. Ohio State, to me, I can't take Ohio State seriously. Michigan had their first good win in months. Michigan State is kind of doing their, I wouldn't even say usual swoon, maybe their often swoon. Their, you know, sometimes we see this with Izzo teams where they suddenly fall apart for like three weeks and then all of a sudden when March comes, they're really good. Um, I know it, March was yesterday, but still, like Michigan State does tend to do this from time to time. So I look at this and on Iowa is Iowa. I, I can't, I don't know how you can trust Iowa with the way they play defense. And Fran McCaffrey is another guy who is a good regular season coach. He's not to me a coach for March. And you look at who maybe Wisconsin will face, and I think that'll be what it'll come down to. It'll come down to what the draw looks like for the Badgers. And if the draw is favorable, yeah, Wisconsin can get in it. And that and that honestly can be said for anybody. I mean the draw in college basketball is so important. You know, you can see a ton of crazy upsets and then all of a sudden you're playing an 11 seed in the second or in the sweet 16 and maybe you get the four or the five in the elite eight. And that's the beauty of a single elimination tournament. Or as a two seed, you could get the three, you get the seven, the three, and the one, and you have to basically climb the mountaintop to get there, which is also very, very hard. So looking at it right now, Joel Lenardi has the path of being, if the top seed won, USC, Kentucky, Arizona to get to the Final Four. That is extremely tough. That, to me, is wow. That I mean, if the Badgers did that, I mean, Greg Gard deserves a lot of credit for, for what he did. Because that is, I mean, that's a massive mountain to climb. 
I'm sure we've seen harder paths, but to me, like that is a group of death type scenario for Wisconsin. Like I, I, I don't think that is what Wisconsin wants. But if you get a two seed, you probably avoid Kentucky unless Kentucky gets up to the one line, which I think they could. Um, and I also am extremely high on Kentucky, so I will say that there is a a tinge of bias with me when you talk about Kentucky because I think right now Kentucky would be my national champion and we'll get to a little bit more Kentucky in a second here Jerry Palm of CBS has the road a little bit easier he has Iowa State Villanova Gonzaga so I know you're like well Gonzaga like Chet Holmgren but I was like I just saw what Stephen Crawl and Tyler Wall did against Zach Eady now I realize Chet Holmgren is much more athletic than those two guys but I, I do think that the Badgers can contain Gonzaga I will never really feel good about putting Gonzaga far. I'll put it that way. Like, I will not pick Gonzaga to win the national champion. I just can't, right? I I can't look at it and say, yeah, Gonzaga is definitely a team that will get there. Um, But they are are certainly a Final Four contender, and a Wisconsin-Gonzaga matchup in San Francisco would be a hell of a matchup. It would be really good between both of those teams but yes I think that path is a lot easier and a lot more realistic to say Wisconsin can go to a final four so maybe it's not unrealistic it's just it's dependent on the draw so we'll see what happens obviously the brackets will come out a couple Sundays from now we'll react live we'll look at that path sort of for both Wisconsin and obviously Marquette and see if there is a real chance and maybe reset this realistic versus unrealistic Garden Davis, our national coach and Big Ten Player of the Year. Somewhat realistic and unrealistic. So Greg Gard's right up there with Tommy Lloyd, Bruce Pearl, Ed Cooley for honors um, to me. So I, I do think there's a chance that Greg Gard could win it. It's just a matter of, I think, the national media, who do you think has the best conference? And that's where I think the award should go to. I personally would give it to Tommy Lloyd. Arizona has was such a mess for so long And that Tommy Lloyd has revived this program into a top five program, into a one seed. I mean, they, you know, get get beat by Colorado. It's a tough, you know, the mountain trip, whatever. They have their third straight road game. They're playing a good USC team, a USC team that could use this win for positioning. And they absolutely thump them. They won by 25 points on the road. Really impressive shit from Arizona. So to me, Tommy Lloyd's coach of the year from the national level. Uh, In terms of the national player of the year for Johnny Davis, I give it to Oscar Shibway. Oscar Shibway is doing stuff with rebounding that is absolutely incredible. So I would personally go with Shibway. Um, That's just my my opinion. I think Shibway has been the most dominant player in college basketball and an absolute joy to watch. And to me, I think he's the story of of the season and it, I think Kentucky's the best team. So I, I think that's where I would go go Shibway as my answer for player of the year. Uh, we might get Michigan-Wisconsin round two. Realistic. Right now, we have Wisconsin projected to play Michigan in the quarterfinal. Um, that would be an early day start on Friday, which you know you almost want to make that primetime because the, the amount of hype around that game would be off the charts. Michigan-Indiana right now is your 8-9 matchup, but a lot can happen. Also realistic is Wisconsin's t- chances to win a Big Ten title. I think they can easily, you know, win the Big Ten outright if pot like the conference championship as well, not just the regular season title. Big Barstool Big Cat will get his heart ripped out 
realistic. I mean, it happens as, as a Badger fan. I've seen it much, many times. I I do take slight joy on it. I, I honestly do. I mean, I appreciate his passion. I wish I could be doing what he does for my teams. Um, it's kind of the dream, right? You look at that and you say, how can I make that my life? Um, so I think that is probably the ultimate right there. And so I, I'm happy for him. Um, that he was able to experience that, but I do also take pleasure in him getting his heart ripped out, whether it's the Bears, whether it's the Cubs, or the Wisconsin Badgers. Let's move on to Aaron Rodgers and talk about a, his contract possibility and a hypothetical Rodgers contract put out there by Albert Breer. So this was really smart by Albert Breer. He worked with a rival exec to on a contract of, of Aaron Rodgers. So this exact must have just had some time on his hands and was like, all right, yeah, I can can work out a contract with you. And here are what the terms of the extension, a two-year, $100 million extension, full guarantee, total value being three years, $126.97 million. And that would be what the money would look at for Aaron Rodgers. The 2022 money would only be a 1.1 base with a $40 million signing bonus. 2023, 7.88 with a 500K workout bonus. There's a workout bonus also in 2022. And then in 2024, you'd be at 35 million with a 50 with a 500k workout bonus and then you'd have dummy years to spread out the signing bonus hit in 25 26 um so you'd basically be able to clear your cap number rogers would have there'd be a 33.44 million dollar cap hit in 2022 and a 29 million dollar cap hit in 2023 so you're like, Charlie, you threw a lot of numbers at me. What does this mean? How does this look? First of all, I told you guys about the, the short-term $50 million contract. Now, I said it was be a one-year $50 million deal. Um, I think it's more like this two for 100 makes a lot of sense. And I think the way that they space it out sounds a lot like what Russ Ball would do. Now, I think there would be fans that would look at it and say, oh my God, the cap hit in 2024 is absurd. Yes, that is very true. But as the exec points out to Breer, a lot of teams that have Hall of Fame quarterbacks do not usually end up in a great position. I realize what people would say. Charlie, the Packers, when they got rid of Brett Favre, were in perfect position with Brett, with uh, Aaron Rodgers. That is true. But look, it could be a one-year transitional period or a two-year transitional period. It's very rare to have the continued success that the Green Bay Packers have had. And if you're able to endure, you know, one or two bad years of the cap after you won a Super Bowl, isn't that worth it? Isn't a Super Bowl worth it or the best chance to win a Super Bowl? Jordan Love does not give you the best chance to win a Super Bowl. Straight up. He just doesn't. All right. We can be we can say, okay, yeah, Jordan Love could win a division, maybe, but that's that's his peak. That to me is his peak right now. So looking at this contract for Aaron Rodgers makes a lot of sense. 
it, it is something that I could get on board with because A, it makes this year a little more affordable. It frees up chances for Devontae Adams. It does mean that next year you'd have to rework deals again and you'd have to convert things in the signing bonus and kind of continue to manipulate and mess with the cap. And Brian Gunacus has admitted as such that these oddities for the last few years have allowed the Packers to sort of change their business model and realize that the cap isn't real and it can continue to be manipulated. And I don't know if this is a Rust Ball failure. I wouldn't even say failure, but like who didn't realize that the cap wasn't real? Was it Russ? Was it Ted? Was it maybe even Mark Murphy? Like who didn't realize that the cap could be sort of manipulated and engineered in this way where you can make sure that guys stay around and that you're, you still have room to maybe sign somebody and maybe bring somebody in on a shorter term deal. So I look at what the Green Bay Packers have in front of them, and I think that this is a realistic opportunity that you give Aaron Rodgers that $50 million deal. Everybody talks about it, even though it's not about the money, which I I do agree with. You can make it seem like Aaron Rodgers is getting a ton of this, this cash, and it's really backloaded. And that sort of saves you and you worry about it in the future. And it's a future problem. Now, the other part of the future problem is TV contracts are up, I believe in 2023. Those contracts are going to be massive and they're going to do massive numbers to the cap. And people are going to make more money than they ever have with football. Football is showing no signs of slowing down. There is no death of football, which we'll talk about baseball in a second. There is no no problems that football is having and that the owners and the players maybe not always on the same page, but the money is green and they are keeping you know people paid and people are continuing to get money. Now, I think we talked about the Kyler stuff yesterday, which we don't need to go back to, but I think guys like Kyler have a chance to maybe shake things up and not necessarily keep the peace, shall we say. So I look at this and I think that it's it's a very real opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to get this deal done. I think the deal's happening at some point this week where Rodgers will sign it and it'll be an extension that's around around this number. I, I do think that the fact that they have a combine in Indianapolis, Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to do, you know, when he made his decision, he wanted to do it live in Pat McAfee's, you know, indie location so i feel like it all the stars are aligning where roger signs the deal he goes over to mcafee's show he tells mcafee we have a deal here's what you know and and basically at that same point rap reports tweeting out like here are the details of the deal and basically we have sort of the rogers story right there and that Rodgers basically makes sure that this deal is done and that the Green Bay Packers are looking forward. What was also interesting, and I think kind of the cherry on top of all the Aaron Rodgers stories, not that we needed more affirmation that Rodgers was staying, was a exact telling, I don't know if it was Breer or Rappaport, I think it was Rappaport, saying like, there's not gonna be as much quarterback movement as people think, which is really interesting, right? And it's really sort of fascinating that after we're hearing, oh, all these quarterbacks can move, they might not move. 
and the NBA of the NBAification of the NFL is sort of you know it's all talk. Everybody's a shadow gangster, and no one actually will will move. So and look, Seattle could look at the NFC, which we know we talked about is pretty weak right now, and say, all right, we can make some big moves. And, you know, elevate ourselves. We're going to play a weaker schedule because we finished, I can't remember if they finished third or fourth, in, in the NFC West. So we're, we're, oh no, they finished fourth. So we're able to get a weaker schedule because we'll play teams like the Lions. We'll play teams, I think the Giants draft, we're last, so we'll play the Giants. You know, we'll get those opportunities against Carolina. We'll get those bad teams that we'll face off against. We'll not have as hard of a schedule as we've had in the past. What's to say we keep Russell Wilson as long as he's happy and bring in more talent around him and you know kind of rebuild that defense they already have a guy like DK Metcalf their offensive line is again still in work but what if they just kind of break the bank for a bunch of dudes and are able to sort of re-engineer what Seattle and put Seattle back kind of on the map who knows we'll see we'll see what happens and that to me is where I look at that veteran quarterback movement I think the Deshaun Watson angle is really interesting I was listening to Quincy Avery and Jordan Palmer on Ryan Rosillo's show uh Avery's been uh Watson's quarterback coach forever um Avery is very confident that he will be playing football this year and he will not be playing for the Houston Texans he did not mention the Texans he's like whichever team Deshaun goes to so it's clear that they are not going to be in Houston it's clear that Deshaun's going to play somewhere else um he, they didn't touch on his legal stuff and I don't have any sort of you know foresight into what that looks like but it'll be really interesting to see where Deshaun ends up and I there have been rumblings of the Vikings I hope to God that does not happen I will say that that is a all-time nightmare scenario. That to me, that is the biggest like thing to pay attention to this offseason. Is if Deshaun Watson goes to an NFC rival, that is a that's a big deal, and that's a, a big issue. Philadelphia would be another one where you know I look at Philly and they have all these draft picks. If I was the Texans and Philly's like, we'll give you all three picks in this, or we'll give you two of the three, we'll give you next year's first for Deshaun Watson. I'd look at that and I'd be hard pressed to not take it if I was the Texans um, and basically kind of rebuild your drafts, draft war chest. And then you also get Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is, you know, at least ready to go. You would just have to kind of build an offense around Jalen Hurts and sort of make it happen. And that to me would be very interesting. I think Deshaun Watson necessarily would probably get embraced by Philly. Philly's a tough crowd, but I, I do think that the Eagle fans would would get on board. I think it's hard not to. It's gross, It's it's based, but it's sports. That's what happens, unfortunately. And also, too, the Eagles have to compete with the Sixers. And I think that's a real thing. I know people sometimes, like, scoff at that, but I, I do think, like, there is a keeping up with the Joneses and seeing what the Sixers did with them beating Harden, you know, to me, would, would probably let Eagle ownership look at it and say, are we sure we don't need to make a big splash to sort of make sure that the attention stays on us moving on to major league baseball oh god major league baseball man what a fucking joke that all is um after nine days of negotiation baseball said they're canceling the first two series of the season people have reacted pretty violently um people have reacted in a way that should be seen by baseball i hope that a lot of people saw you know this reaction that everybody is so disappointed 
in the owners and disappointed in baseball. Um, I know some people will say, well, it's the player's fault for not, you know, accepting this offer. Well, the owners did not really come to the table with a compromise. It was basically we elevated what we had planned to do and that was it. And it wasn't this, you know, all encompassing deal that basically took care of everybody and that they were still farther apart than they needed to be and they did not come together in this is absolutely embarrassing. Um, It is a black eye on baseball and I just wonder if some of the older generation of commissioners will step in and save baseball. I saw Faye Vincent talk to Tyler Kepner of the New York Times and expressed his disappointment and expressed his frustration. Faye Vincent, uh, commissioner of baseball in the early 90s. Um, Bud Selig, I don't know if he's commented yet, but both Bud Selig and Faye Vincent are still around. They're very old, right? They're very, very old. But at the same time, you don't think those guys are still connected to the game of baseball. You're lying to yourself. You don't think that, you know, Bud or Faye put out a call to somebody and was like, hey, look, this is really bad. Rob has ruined your sport. And to me, like, this is part of Bud Selig's legacy. You guys know, if you're longtime listeners of this show, I'm not a big Bud Selig fan. And for those who aren't long listeners of the show, um, I just don't like Bud Selig's detention he gets in the city of Milwaukee just based off of, like, the whole Ryan Braun thing. I think he handled the Ryan Braun thing terribly. I will forever think that he handled the Ryan Braun thing terribly. I think he punished Ryan Braun more than he needed to because he was a Milwaukee Brewer and he wanted to show that he was biased. Um, And he also let his daughter run the team and she nearly got us ran out of town. And she was absolutely terrible and one of the worst owners of the last 30 years. Um, And thankfully, she sold the team, got rid of the team, and they were able to rebuild and they've prospered with Mark Antanasio. But I do think that this goes to Bud Selig's legacy. It can't. It has to. It has to be part of the Bud Selig story that he put a guy in place that was absolutely incompetent. That for all the frustration people have with Roger Goodell, with Gary Bettman, somewhat Adam Silver. I wouldn't put Adam Silver in that same conversation. But Bettman and Goodell, people have so much frustration with both those guys. And somehow Rob Manfred is fucking worse than both those dudes. So that to me is is the thing that stands out for Bud Selig. And I just wonder, is Bud going to try to save this? Is he going to go behind Manfred's back and say, look, there is no way that this can ha- go any further. You could not, you know, get push baseball back, back, back. April 14th is the earliest the Brewers can be at American Family Field. The Brewers say that will be opening day for them. They are telling people with opening day tickets to treat April 14th like opening day. They're refunding the rest of the series that they have against the Giants, which is the, I think it's the first, well, it's the Diamondbacks and the Giants. Um, So the Brewers will miss out on playing the Diamondbacks who weren't good last year and the Giants who, who knows, maybe it comes down to a wild card spot where you need those games against the Giants. It could definitely impact the Brewers season. But I do like the idea. I thought that was a savvy PR move for the Brewers to get in front of it. You know, I had to put something out there. Um, They knew that their social media would light up, but to say, all right, we're sticking with opening day being now the 14th instead of the 31st. And also on that, on top of that, we've refunded, you know, anyone who bought tickets from the first through the sixth. I think they said they have an opportunity to get tickets later in the season, which is good. And I, 
I just wonder, is baseball going to be ready to go after these two series cancellations? I think maybe this was a not a trial balloon, but I do wonder, did baseball say, all right, let's see how much we can get away with? And the reaction, I think, has been so vehemently against them that I do wonder if baseball comes back and says, okay, we need to figure this out like immediately and we need to get this done and say, all right, no more, no more stoppage. We'll conveniently start the weekend of the Masters, which I, while the Masters is a big deal, I think starting the weekend of the Masters versus starting the weekend of the Final Four is a little bit better for baseball. Um, it, it just is. And I, I do also think that the MLB would prefer to probably start a little bit later and they would probably prefer, you know, more of like 150 to 140 game season with a little more playoffs because they think they think with the playoff revenue, they could basically make it happen and not necessarily play a full season. So I think there are underlying things to this and also baseball, you know, knows that they're not a ton of fans in April and May, but I will end with this, that you're going to get less and less fans the more you, the longer this goes. The longer this goes, the more mad people are going to get and the more that people are going to tune out. And I think that people like my father who watch baseball every night, I don't know. I don't know where he, I hadn't talked to him yet, but I have to think that this might change his view. He might say, why am I, why do I fucking bother? And that's kind of how I feel. And it's definitely something that I'm going to think about in the long term, especially when it comes supporting the brewers at the gate and with merchandise and everything else. We didn't really have time for a Chuck's Corner. I will say that uh, the talk with Shea Ken, there'll be a lot of Chuck's Corner-esque conversations with that. Um, We'll talk about the Shamrock Shuffle, the do's and don'ts of a bar crawl. Um, we'll also chat, you know, a little bit about sports, what's on Shannon's mind sports-wise, um, and a whole other uh, other things. I will say really quick on a Chuck's Corner, because uh, we're already pretty late into the podcast, I hate this time of year for fake Badger fans. No disrespect to, like, my guys Doze, Ron, Kyle, all, all those guys, and a few others, Twigs, shout out. Like, there are guys who are diehard Badger basketball fans, and that diehard Badger fans, and that are with this team if they were Big Ten champions or with this team if they were on the bubble right now or even outside the bubble. But the people who just then randomly decide to become Badger basketball fans, it just, I don't know, man. It it just gets to me. It's a weird thing. It's like, it's not even like a... I just wish there were equal representation. I don't feel like the energy is the same for Marquette. And people are like, oh, cheer for both teams. And it's like, yeah, do you though? Like, like I would, I would be more accepting of it if people were like also on board with Marquette. But it seems like if, as long as you are not in the city of Milwaukee, and if you're agnostic to to a basketball team, you're just a Mark, you're just a Wisconsin fan. You're not a Marquette fan, and you just pick and choose, you know, when you want to watch, you know, Badger basketball. And then people also just become experts around this time that have no real business, you know, being experts. Um, and that's more just a frustration with Big J's, right? Big J's do this all the fucking time. Like they think, you know, oh, I can give my opinion on X, Y, and Z. It's like, dude, I just want to hear about the Packers. I don't really care. Like, it's not even a stick to sports. It's just like, it's just, can we just, can you just stay in your lane? 
Like, I don't need your opinion on the fucking Badgers. I don't need your opinion on the war going on in Ukraine, all right? Like, just talk about the Packers. Just talk about the Bucks. But whatever. It is what it is, man. I know that there will be support for both teams. I hope there will be more of an equal representation. But if there isn't, it is what it is. It's just... The fake, the fake Badger fans kind of get to me, or the people who just pretend to care now. Uh, it's it's a, it, 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 it's a little off-putting. That's all I'll say. Um, and if you're like, well, Charlie, you just did your first Badger topic all year. Well, I I told you why. I explained it. I I don't have time. We're not. They, it's the one sport that I can't cover the way I want to. And if I can't cover it the way I want to, I'm just not going to do it as much. So you could call me fake too. If, and if you want to, that's all right. All right. That was it for today's show. Back tomorrow. Um, Shay Ken. Let me know if you guys have any questions. I'll put something on Instagram uh, for questions. Uh, if you guys have anything, uh, we'll be happy to talk about it. So let us know. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. All right. See you. Bye.